This is PT Pro Talk, the podcast for physical therapists who want to improve their clinical skills and be more successful. Today, we're going to talk about the Biopsychosocial Alliance measurement on patients by formative assessment, which is a way to combine pain and function with well-being and alliance. Charlotte Krog, our guest, explained what form she uses and how she integrates them into her assessment to have a better understanding about the patient well-being and how it is impacting the treatment. She also talks about how to use the measurements to adjust the treatment plan, especially when the patient is not getting better or progressing as expected, as well as a few strategies she uses with these patients. If that sounds interesting to you, stick around. This is PT Pro Talk. My name is Mariana Parts, physical therapist and your host. Our guest today is Charlotte Krog, a physical therapist with almost 30 years of experience. Charlotte became McKenzie diplomat in 1997, was appointed as a specialist in musculoskeletal physiotherapy by the Danish Physical Therapist Association in 2005, and was appointed as a faculty member with the MDT Danish branch in 2007. In 2015, she received her Master's in Positive Psychology from Aarhus University, Denmark. I hope you enjoyed the show. The T Pro Talk podcast is only possible with the support of the forward-looking and innovative companies like Fitter First, your first choice for the best Canadian-made rehab and fitness products since 1985. Give your clinic admins and therapists the tools they will need to excel. Give them systems built for therapists with their patients in mind. Systems for physical therapists, the only EMR with a dedicated member's network. Hi Charlotte, welcome to PT Pro Talk. How are you today? Fine, thank you. And thank you for the invitation. Awesome. I'm, I'm happy to have you here. And let's start talking a little bit about yourself for the ones that don't know you. Tell us a little bit about your career and how did you get where you are right now? Well, yeah, thank you. Well, um, I'm 54 years old, so I'm getting older. I've been in, in the field for many years. Um, I graduated as a PT back in 1994. So that's many years ago here in Denmark, where I come from. I lived in Aalborg, which is... Uh, the northern part of Jutland, and now I live in the capital, in Zealand. Um, in 1997, I gained my diploma in mechanical diagnosis and therapy in Coon Rabbits in the, in the Minneapolis, um, in the U USA. Um, in 2005, in Denmark here, I was acknowledged as a specialist in musculoskeletal facial therapy. Um, in 2007, um, I was appointed as a probationary faculty in the McKenzie Institute. Uh, and some years before that, I became a member of the Danish board in the mechanical diagnosis of therapy. And I still am. I have, I don't know, I think nearly 20 years in that area. So that's quite many years though. Um, and I basically work with patients suffering from musculoskeletal disorders. And in that time, I've been so lucky to participate in many different things. Um, I've been part of, part of writing uh, the 
National Clinical Guidelines on uh, Chemical Disc Herniation in the Neck. Uh, I've been building up a mentoring program and some years ago I was appointed by the Danish PT Association to build up a uh, fully education in the Danish school system um, for for training for mentoring. Um, so physical therapists can now get papers on that they are official mentors. Uh, it's been quite funny to do as well. Um, and I think the many years in the board has given me so many different opportunities for speaking at conferences, um, being part of studying group, uh, political, you know, health group, uh, professionals and stuff like that. Um, so it, I mean, I've just been around and, um, after my specialist acknowledgement, I found the interest for the human well-being and for how to work with human behavior because I see a lot of patients that seems to land between two chairs. I mean, they have been walking or been around for years with a lot of pain and malfunctioning and they haven't got the help that they've been looking for. And, and in that time, I came across a lot of patients where you need by your mechanical diagnosis and therapy, you're able to label the patients and set up a program for them to work with. But it wasn't always that easy to to make the person take ownership and 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 find the resources to work with. So that's why I started looking into psychology to to get more knowledge about human behavior and how can we deal with that when people seems to have lost hope. So that's uh, my background. <laughs> that's awesome. And you went to the diploma quite quick, like after you graduated. So three years later. Yeah, I graduated in, I graduated in January 94 and I got my diploma in December 97. So yeah, I work with, uh, I work with the funder of the McKenzie Institute in Denmark, Uwe Lindstrom. He passed away uh, not that far ago. But uh, I worked in his clinic and then his practice, so I saw a lot of patients with him as well. So I had good training <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that it's interesting to talk about the psychology because we know that there are a lot of patients that we can resolve them quickly with McKenzie, and then the ones that we can't, it's really hard to deal with them. And you know the the psychology impacts a lot on the treatment and sometimes you don't know what to do so that's gonna be interesting that's what I, I want to ask you about so I know you did your master's right in positive psychology about the the biopsychosocial alliance measurement on patients by formative assessment so what all of that means just tell us a little bit about that and and what do you measure how do you measure just give us an uh, overview yeah, um, I'll try to do it. Um, well, the positive psychology is the part of psychology that studies human behavior, and it looks into to the person's health and uh, development based on a lot of empiric uh, research. So it's basically the well-being of human people. And I think that is the reason or that is the need that I have. I don't have to be a clinical psychologist that looks more into what is wrong with you and how do we deal with that. I need to look into how do we build up resources? How do we build up well-being? 
how do we get people to take ownership uh, on on the situations that they have landed in or put themselves in somehow? And how do we regain hope and trust and um, integrity and autonomy? So this is the part that positive psychology is all about, the study in human well-being. Um, so during my master's in psychology, I got through a lot of very interesting areas. And looking into the field of research of uh, musculoskeletal disorders, it had a, a lot of things pointing out that, I mean, pain and malfunctioning can have many bases. It doesn't have to be biomechanically all the time. It can be, and it can be, you know, mixed between other issues. Also an issue like Patient Therapist Alliance, which since 2010 has been looked more into in the musculoskeletal research as well. And also things like self-efficacy, um, able to help yourself, self-management strategies, etc. How do you behave if you get set up? I mean, do you just give up or do you try to really struggle with it? Um, so a lot of things comes back to, to human behavior. So I was looking for some tools to measure alliance and well-being and other issues. Like we measure pain and like we measure functioning like patients uh, specific functional scores and I couldn't really find anything and then uh, one of my teachers um, introduced me to feedback informed treatment by um, by some psychologist from Chicago um, and I was looking into it and it comes out with the ORS to outcome rating scale and the session rating scales which are four questions um, testing or bill or uh, searching for the person's well-being, and and the well-being scales on four questions only has been tested towards the OQ45, um, which is 45 questionnaires, and the depression, anxiety, stress scale. So I mean, those many questions are not feasible in a daily practice, but four questions are, and the same with alliance questionnaires, which has been built up towards the. Um, uh, what's it called? The Working Alliance uh, Inventory, I think it's called, uh, with 21 questionnaires. And these um, session rating scales only builds up on their four questions. So I use that in the daily practice with my patients as well as I use a pain measurement and I use their patient-specific functional scores measurement and I use some questions regarding self-efficacy and self-management strategies. And I built that into my history with patients and testing the patients so it just becomes part of the clinical practice and then we'll view them together the patient and i to see how the scores look like okay very interesting i spent years in um in in trying to work with this and i i educated myself with scott d miller who was uh, one of the psychologist researcher in this uh been speaking on their international conferences as well, how we can use their, their psychological measurement in another field area, not being a psychologist or psychiatrist. And I think it's very developmental to use that. And if I look back and look at the way that I assess patients today compared with what I did 10 years ago, I think I have changed my strategy somehow. I think I... I spend more time with my patients. First time I see a patient, I have at least an hour. Um, I spend time up getting to know the patient to make the patient calm down. I mean, 
been better in small talking initially with the patient just to make them relax. So we're sure that you get a good feedback and alliance on, on the research or, or the assessment that you're going to do. Try to explain them on the way I work, which is also written down on my web page so they know that uh, what they are addressing when they come to me. Um, and I think being able really to listen to what the patient is telling you and not being forward-minded in your face uh, like, oh, this looks like a derangement, let's go and fix that. And then you forget the person who has the derangement or their prefer preferences for how to deal with this. Um, so it's a way to come across the patient in, in different varieties. Um, I wanted to ask you, going back to the assessment, you said that you use a form with four questions. What was the name of that form? Is that something you created or is a form that already exists? No, the format that I use from the psychologist, Scott D. Miller, um, is called Feedback Informed Treatment, FIT, FIT. Uh, and that consists of the four measurements on well-being and the four measurements on alliance. And that has been tested on several hundred thousand patients from the psychological and psychiatric and social uh, workers area. And they have a database so you can go in and, and, and uh, compare your scores with their score. Um, and they have been validated towards the, the bigger questionnaires as well. So you can, you know, get into that research or get into education with these people. And they are based down in Chicago in the US of A. Um, so I spent time on that. Um, and, and the four questions, I mean, on the well-being, when you just go into the history with my patient, like I do in mechanical diagnosis and therapy, when it comes to the patient, how do you feel suffering from this? And you said, what is it doing to you? Then they, when they, you know, start addressing things and how they behave or how they feel, then they fill out the foreign on those. So it just get integrated. Like in the beginning, we set goals for why here, what would you like to obtain to come here? And are there things that you can't do today or you can't do well today that you have your goals from that's what you want really to be able to do? So we put those measurements down just as a part of, you know, ordinary talking and assessment. So it, it's not, you know, some schedules that you give and, oh, now you have to do this and you have to do that. It just gets integrated in, in your talk with the patients when you come to the area. And if other PTs like that idea of using this form, they can find that? Is that available for everybody or is part of something else that you have to be part of to get access to the farm? Yeah, you can, you can read them. You can, you can download them on Scott D. Miller's webpage, uh, the Center for Clinical Excellence.com. Um, and you can join courses uh, with those guys as well. Um, yeah. So it's out there. And you can use them for free. And do you have other farms that you use um, to measure that? Or that's the main one? No, that, these are the two formers on well-being and on alliance. Then I have performed that measure goals and pain and functional scores. And then I have some questionnaires about self-management and how the patient reacts to how they deal with setbacks, uh, sort of fear avoidance questions. Um, also four questions based on that question set my former colleague and I made together.
uh, developed together when we saw patients. So we cover, you know, a lot of things around the patients. And when I finished with the patients, we're done for today, then they fill out the Alliance questionnaires. And those can be really interesting because a lot of people, um, well, the criticism I can say on using Alliance questionnaires is that a lot of people don't want to put you down. They don't want to, you know, write bad things about you or bad alliance because I think a lot of patients will feel like if I do that, if I'm not satisfied, that may hit me in a bad way if, if I'm honest about that. So I, I make really time to explain that this is a feedback to me and for me in order to how can I become better to help you with your specific problem. So this is not a measurement on you. This is feedback that I would love really to get from you. Uh, so please be honest. So I have a chance to, to, to rethink if we should do things differently. And people will be honest. Yeah. And yes, I have bad scores as well. Yeah. So you will learn from that. And, and if people like this idea of like your style and trying to use something similar, do you have any recommendations that they can go to and, and look for like similar forms or have an idea of like how you do those things? Um, there is on Scott D. Miller's webpage on, on the feedback informed treatment with the Alliance and, um, and the well-being. Uh, the other things, I mean, you can use on look on patient specific functional scores and how to measure goals uh, and pain in the musculoskeletal area and the other questions because we're in McKenzie method, we use a lot of self-management. So actually we should try to measure are the patient doing the self-management and do they feel safe and secure and comfortable doing this and do they gain uh, what they should be gaining or obtaining by doing that. So these are just questions that I have put down myself to, to test that or evaluate that. Okay, very good. And then how do you use the measurement to adjust your treatment plan. So how do you use all this information? If the patient comes back and is, you know, just progressing well, we just briefly pay attention to the measurement and just follow um, the strategy that we made together. Make sure that this is the strategy that the patient is dealing very well with. If the patient comes back with no change or the patient comes back being worse, for instance, um, then we go back and reevaluate. And I am a physical therapist as a background, so I reevaluate always first the, my mechanical measurement. I go back, you know, start re-questioning the history, retesting, making sure do I have the right hypothesis to work with, etc. Other things that I have, you know, overlooked or misunderstood or something like that. And if it comes that no, I'm quite certain this is what is going on. Then we together evaluate their measurement on the well-being, the measurement on our alliance, the measurement on on um, the uh, self-management strategies. And there is, if you work, for instance, with the well-being and the positive psychology in that, there is a cutoff score. I mean, you have four questions on a 10-centimeter scale, means that you can get a maximum of 40 points. 10 points for each question, okay? And research shows that an average person with a well, uh, well-being level scores 25 or above. 
So if you score below 25, that actually means that the situation the person is in or the problem that is bothering the patient is taking a lot of mental capacity. And that may mean that the patient doesn't have the resources or energy to change behavior or to deal with new issues. So that is a very strong tool for you to work with because you can have all the right biomechanical diagnosis and and exercises and posture corrections or joint mobilizations that will work for your biomechanical problem. But if the patient doesn't have the capacity to funnel up on that, then you're getting nowhere. Then you need to go back and look at the well-being and see, is there anything we can address differently here? And the measurement or also the research on that shows that if the facial scores below 10 on the outcome rating scale, that could mean that the patient is suffering from a severe depression or a suicidal. So that could mean that you need to, you know, to refer the patient to other like psychologists or back to the private practitioner or stuff like that. But not always. You just need to be aware of resources that person is dealing with. That was my question on like what do you do like when you see that the, the scar is not like how should be if it's not that good. How do you know like how far you can go trying to address this situation? And then how do you know when it's like out of your scope and then you need to refer? Because there's a few things that I guess with education we can talk and address and then a few things that like you can't as physical therapists. So how do you like, how do you do that? How do you draw that line? Address this. Yeah. Yeah. That is not always that easy at other times it is. I mean, first thing, talk with your patient. They are quite honest with you. I have not met patients who are not being honest in this situation. And for instance, if we go through the areas of well-being, let's say we have the right biomechanical diagnosis and, and the right strategy, but we need, you know, resources, engagement uh, from the patients to work with. Now we go through each question. You seem to score very low on on uh, social relations here. Is that something you would like to tell me? What's that all about? And you would get histories like, like, for instance, the patient was like, my husband or my wife, they gave up on me. They think I'm, I'm not doing the best I can. They don't trust me. They think I'm lazy or blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I feel that they have given up upon me and stuff like that. And, and you know, from, from other areas in, in, in well-being, like if people suffer from diabetes or heart program, you take the whole family into therapy. So the issue is, if they score low there, I ask the patient, would it be a good idea to bring your husband or your wife with you the next time so we together can, can set a strategy for how they can help you or support you on this? Or it could be, you know, their working team that they feel that, you know, people are looking bad to them and finding them lazy and not doing things that they should do. So that's just asking, talking back and forth, is that a good idea? Uh, how do you see yourself in this situation? And you know, Marianne, many times patients comes with the solution by themselves. When they see the score 
and they it makes this is how my situation is then they start to think and evaluate what could be done i also asked him would it be a good idea that we phone your private practitioner or have you previously seen a psychologist talking about this or where do you find yourself and it's very untormenting and honestly i'm not a psychologist i'm not playing a psychologist i have fully respect for their field and what they can do but i see people and people are not only biomechanically done i mean people are people with a lot of different varieties like all of us are and i think a lot of people at least that the feedback it has been so relieving to talk about finally that we can talk about yeah i know i should be doing this I feel guilty because I don't do it. I feel that, that I'm wasting my time and your time, but I can't put up with this. So instead of looking what's wrong with it and feel guilty, we try to look forward and see what does it take to get you there? Where can you see yourself? Where can you start working with this? And can we do that together? And then a lot of patients really takes action by themselves. Because they come back and then find them when they score the measurement, they are eager to see now did I change anything, and then they grow. That's awesome, and I I think you are you are starting the conversation because you can identify. So like if I understood that correctly, you are able to identify those areas with the form, and then you can start the conversation to address that that issues that you see on the form. And just maybe just bringing light to the issue, it helps the patient to identify. And then you can suggest a few things. And like, as you said, they can take the actions themselves and, and try to solve something that it is probably holding them back on like progressing, getting better on the treatment. And, and it's just, I guess, another way of identifying and helping them overcome whatever it's happening with them being the first one to talk about because a lot of times they go because of the physical but they haven't been through other professionals so we are the first professional uh and we cannot progress and go forward if they have the, their other psychology issues holding them back right exactly and exactly there i think that's why you pinpoint something because pain has many faces like i said And a psychologist addresses primarily psychological issues. A lot of physiotherapists addresses physical issues, but we need to address more broadly around the patient. And a lot of the patient's feedback are, I've never been seeing my situation in this broad perspective. It makes sense for me that uh, my reaction pattern is that I, you know, I get fear avoidant or or I get pissed off and then I just overuse the whole situation or I need to balance it further. And I had no idea that this could have an impact on my pain, uh, etc. So it just opened for a dialogue who wouldn't have taken place if I didn't have the measurement. And that can take you in many different areas. But always keep the patients on the driver's seat. That's where I want them to be. Now, what can you do in order to change this? And how can I support you on this? Yeah, you you are not trying to, to be the psychologist. Sometimes I think we get confused. We like, because we, 
we have a lot of time with the patient, so we talk a lot with them. We have all these, sometimes we get really close to them because we get to spend so much time. But I think you just using these forms, it feels like you have just something more objective that can help you, guide you, and help guide the patient um, to the right direction. And then you can... Exactly, like you, like you would address a biomechanical problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in biomechanics, um, I, we used to see it. Um, if you can't bring your lumbar roll the, to that chair, can you sit in a different way? Could you stand up once in a while? Or what can you do in order to get rid of your pain? We try to problem solve around that, and we do that very comfortably. You can always problem solve in other areas as well, just by asking the patient. And when they get, a, a, at least it seems to me from the feedback from patients, when they first get aware of, I didn't know that I would score this low on my well-being. I don't like to see myself in this situation. Then they start to think, and then they start to evaluate, what can I do to become a better version of myself? Because this is not the impression of me that I have, and it is not the impression that I want to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It helps the therapist to identify because we know that something is not right, but sometimes it's hard for us to identify because it's not our area. So it helps us to identify. And then that's how I was going to ask you if the patient has a different view of themselves before and after they feel out because sometimes they feel like, oh, I'm fine. And then when they see the results, that's the first thing that tells them, like, maybe I'm not as, yeah, as good as I thought I was. Exactly. And just to address one thing, that it's not our field. Yes, it is. You're treating, you're treating people. You're not treating biomechanics. And there is a head and a brain on top of the, the rest of the spine there. So it is your problem. Because you are dealing with the, with the way the patient is dealing with issues. Because if you can't deal with that, then you can't be able to help or progress patients in different directions. It's not the easy one, that, you know, the one with a lot of power and good well-being and a lot of energy, etc., and a lot of engagements. They do it by themselves. And I think another thing that I've seen with this population also is a lot of them lost hope. They don't believe in it anymore. And, and that, you know, becomes very visible when you start talking with people. And then I used to address it this way. Well, why did you come and put up an appointment here if you don't have any hope back or if you don't believe it? To me, that means you do have some hope. Otherwise, this is a waste of time for you and for me. So can we go back and look what really brought you here? But they're afraid of hoping. They're afraid of looking forward because they got disappointed so many times. So that's sometimes why we need to take small steps so you build up a lot of success for the patient. And that's how you build up, I mean, your alliance with the patient and you build up their engagement and their trust that things can be different and then things can progress quite rapidly. Yeah, and, and that was going to be my next question. So like once you identify and address or try to address those psychology issues because I assume that you address them when they are not progressing well on the treatment. So after you you bring some light to this aspect of the treatment and, and the issue, 
do you see a difference on your results as a physical therapist, their progression after uh, working on that psychological area? Most definitely, yes. And many of the situations. And of course, I mean, I can't help everybody, but quite a lot will be much different and much better. And there are also a few that I refer back to the private practitioner or that goes to a psychologist that I have a psychologist that I can work with and who is educated in the same um, feedback informed treatment system. So we speak the same language, um, which is always good. And so we can work together with the patient. Yes. Yeah. But it's not the majority of the patient that you refer out. No. No, a lot of people are really changing. Even people who has been suffering for 10, 15, 17 years and who scores quite low on on the well-being measurement. Yeah, and that can be dramatic to look at. But it also it's a lot of fun and it's rewarding and it's great to see people flourish in that way. It's it's really yeah. It's very likable. <laughs> I guess that motivates us as physical therapy so we can, because sometimes we progress to a point and then we know that it's something else that we are not able to um, change. At least we don't know how to work with that. And then you pass that phase and then you are able to continue your treatment and be more successful. Yeah, definitely. And the good thing is, I think the beauty in the system is that it's visible for the patients and we work together on this. We look at the scores together and we speak about the scores and we look at, okay, you have progressed in this and this and this and this field here, but this one, he's not changing. Can we have a talk about that? What do you think about that? Why is the reason you're not progressing in this area? Is that something you want to, to talk with me about or is it something that I should stay out of? And I'm being very respectful for the patient. I mean, it's up to them if they want to deal with you know with certain issues with me about this um but a lot of people say yeah i think actually this and this and yeah i know i should do this and this and i say are you able to do that or do you need help to do that or what do you think so just keep an open mind and keep an open talk about different issues it's not that dangerous okay. and then when you offer them help your help is more like talking about it and educating them, or do you do anything else? There are issues where I they may give them um, a link to do some meditation, um, which has been part of the positive psychology to build up their trust and, and the energy. That could be something like that. There are also things like, you know, build positive emotions, like uh, write three good things down that went to, that happened today, or... I had, um, recently I had a guy yelling with it in his family. He thought that um, family was drifting apart. He's been suffering for so many years and, you know, it was just avoiding situations. So they were taking actions when they were having dinner, talking about together the whole family. Now, can you give me three good things that happened for you today? And when you mentioned that, uh, why was it a good thing? And for him, well, thank you for helping me with this and this, for instance. I, I really appreciate it. It makes me feel loved and uh, being part of the family again. And, and you know, it just built up the positive emotions and the positive relations. And, and suddenly he found that now 
a family that he found was not supporting him was suddenly there and supporting him and and suddenly you know things just rapidly progressed again he was just felt left alone so in many ways it doesn't it's not a lot of different things that it takes um and sometimes it is and that is not my field then a professional psychologist or psychiatrist or somebody else can help for instance i had a patient uh, not long time ago who was progressing in a lot of different areas uh, except for the question on the well-being scale that comes to the family relations it was really low and uh, we're talking about that and i said you're i mean you're moving so much forward you're so much better but when we go through the measurement here is a thing that is not changing and he felt it's been not um, a man who's had problems for years and he was working very well with the situation he got much better but he still felt that family was not taking him seriously. They thought for years he was just being lazy and not, you know, wanted to do things and stuff like that. So we're talking about in a positive psychological matter, how can you build up that relation again? Because he was really sad about this. So being a part of the family, you can, you know, for instance, there is a thing where you can write three good things down that happened for you today in order to build up positive emotions. You could do that within your family. So I asked him, can you ask your family if you could do that? And they accepted and agreed. So they do now every evening around the dinner table. They take turns and, and mention three good things that happened for them today. And they also say why that is a good thing, the thing that they mention. And for him, for instance, he would, you know, Thank you for helping me with this. Uh, that really, I really appreciate this, and it makes that I feel valuable again. I'm trying to, you know, change different things. And I mean, in a few weeks, he was so happy. You know, I mean, it seems so unreal that a, such a small thing can can make a world, you know, uh, to difference. But in a few weeks, things were just again in this area progressing so much. So there are small issues that you quite easily can access and, and change if you want to do it. And again, you take ownership on doing it. It's just like you in biomechanical ways, you support people, like you give them a lumber roll or you give them problem solutions to different things that they can, you know, manage. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. How important it is to just start a conversation uh have people talking about it and identifying the positive and and how much that can make such a big difference and we are just being the facilitator of that that moment that can change yeah a lot of things very cool um and i i i remember you mentioned something about meditating as well so sometimes you recommend the the, the patients to do some meditation, write down some things that are grateful for. Is that right? Yeah. There are, again, in positive psychology, some psychologists who filled up some meditation tools uh, where you can listen to main self-look or building up your self-esteem. And you just sit nice and quiet for yourself for 10 minutes, 12 minutes, and just listening. And again, that has shown in research project people doing that would be more calm, they would calm down their nervous system, they would build up positive emotions. So for some people who feels into that, I suggest, would you want me to send you a link to this? Um, 
and have a look at it if that could work for you. Um, you can test them. Then you go into different tools that I, on a daily basis, don't use. Something called positivity and negativity ratio. You can test them there. And if that look in a certain way, then it makes sense to give you to give them those tools. Um, so there are a lot of different measurements um, that I can use, but not don't use in a daily practice. And and if the the therapists are interested in learning more about that topic, uh, where they can find more information on that? Is there any resource of information, any website, any books, papers, anything that you go to in particular? Um, for now, to keep educating myself, or is that what you're talking about? Or yeah, it could be the the resource of information that you like to like go to your your favorite ones and. The basic one, so for example, you mentioned Scott Miller, right? So I, I assume you get a lot of things from his website. So do you have any other recommendations? Yeah, I follow his blogs. Then I, I follow also positivepsychology.org. I follow their blog as well, as I follow the research in musculoskeletal therapy and try to get, you know, um, keep me oriented in that as well. Um, yeah, those are the three brief areas that I used to to look at for me to, and then also conferences, um, try to, to see what's new, what's happening in there. There's one of my previous teachers uh, who is uh, amazing in many ways and, and just, you know, keep bringing things up. So I follow his blog. Um, um, he's all over the place, so he's a good web person to run out to with new information. Yeah. I have some blocks that keep me included on here's a new research article or here's new interesting things that we saw or and then I go through that yeah okay very good and what would be a, a good advice that you to clinicians that are starting their careers because I remember you said that 10 years ago you would do things very differently so what would be your advice to yourself when you start your career I think don't push things um keep an open mind when you come into to your room with the patient um um try to understand and i mean really understand the patient and and their history and where they come from don't be judgmental on anything of that and last don't blame the patient i mean they're doing the best they can even though that sometimes we feel come on step on it you need to progress further, blah, blah, blah. We all get that. And I was that 10, 15 years ago. I would be pushy. Hey, come on. How difficult can it be? It can be difficult. So understand the patient, where they come from and what they have with them in their nuggets because we all have something. I think that's, yeah, the best advice I can give there. And what personal qualities or abilities that you think are important to become a successful physical therapist? You just said be curious, right? <laughs> you have to be curious and open-minded. I think your ability to listen. Uh, I mean, I think there's a reason for you have two ears and one mouth. I mean, you listen more than you speak when you see patients. Um, that could be a good thing. And also your knowledge. I mean, the more knowledge you have, the more safe I think you feel. And the more authentic, I also think you will be with the patient. And that makes a lot of people calm down if they feel, okay, you know what you're doing, you know what you're dealing with, and you're being yourself. So 
being authentic, I think that's really important. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, and before we wrap up, do you have any other considerations about everything that we talked? Anything that you want to mention before we, we end the, the, the conversation? Yeah, not really. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a broad world out there. There are many issues. There are many ways directions to go. You have to find your way, but we have to recognize that we are dealing with people. We are not dealing with biomechanical issues only. Um, we're dealing with people suffering from some sort of biomechanical disorders and we deal with things in different ways in different manners. And my way doesn't have to be, that's your way. Um, so we have what makes suitable for this person sitting in front of me at this chair right now and search for it. Just being, remembering that no one size fits all in, in any of this. Yeah. And I think you gave us this super cool tool and option that we can implement in our treatment to, to help us identify these factors and give us more, a more precise, objective way to try to help this patient. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to come share with us about this, this, this tool. And, um, yeah, I'm very grateful to have you here and sharing all your knowledge. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity, Mariana. So hope you'll find it useful. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I just forgot to ask you if people want to learn more about you or your work, is there a way that they can find you or contact you? Oh, they can contact me on my email address. You have it. The one that you've been writing uh, to me. They're most welcome to do that. I'll write it down on the show notes if people want to find you or ask you questions or maybe um, they start using the same forms and want some help. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thank you so much, Charlotte. You're welcome. That's all for today's episode of PT Pro Talk. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you can be notified when we release future episodes. You can also join our email list to receive updates and new episodes at ptprotalk.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a rating or review and share with other clinicians you think might benefit from this conversation. We are always working to deliver you a better show and would love to hear your thoughts. If you have a moment, please help us by answering a quick survey and let us know what topics and people you'd like to hear, things you like about the show, and how we can improve. Thank you all of you who have already responded to the survey. It is very helpful. Also, on the show notes, you can find the guest's contact information and favorite resources, links for the survey, our social media, YouTube channel, where you can watch the whole episode, and our website, where you can find more information about the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.